0: Well, welcome back. As we head into hour two, I am Seth Leibson, 602-5080, six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty. We did a uh, tribute. We'll dedicate the show to um, the passing and memory of Toby Keith, but also let us not forget. And David, I'll just let you do whatever you want to with this uh, Ronald Reagan's birthday today. I am continually amazed, actually. Um, How there are elements in our movement that keep saying such things as we shouldn't be engaged and warmed over Reaganism or Ronald Reagan is passé or Ronald Reagan was right for his time or Ronald Reagan was about the elite interests and the new Republican and conservative movement is not. It just none of it stands up to the historical record. You know, none of it stands up to um, any level of scrutiny and i'm happy to discuss that too it's 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 a it's a it's a danger actually not just because of my esteem for reagan but it's 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 a betrayal of ignorance of history but it, it also shows you a defenestration of that which worked and works um and beyond that it just bothers me when things are said that aren't true and it bothers me when things are said that aren't true by people who should know better. And it bothers me when things are said that aren't true from people who don't know better. All of it bothers me. All of it. Um, it's a weird thing for a conservative movement not to be able to conserve even its own memory. I mean, we're talking about the conservative movement trying to conserve America. So much more the shame that we can't even conserve the memory of our own movement in any event um happy to talk about any of that as well as the bill that i predicted uh the Lankford bill the Senate uh, Senate border security bill that i predicted would probably be nowhere more to be found in the news as early as friday and i may have misjudged it may have misjudged it by a couple days it's already um, it's already, not being covered. Mitch McConnell put the quietus on it by saying it doesn't look like it's likely to pass the Senate. Well, then why did you do this? Why did you put us through this, Mitch McConnell? And, you know, there are lessons for Jim Lankford here, too. You can't operate in secrecy. And when word leaks out that has people who should be involved in the discussions and in the negotiations being told, wait, just wait, you'll see it when it comes out, you're not operating with all the intel, and then all the intel does come out, and it turns out they were right. You know, this operations and secrecy business, What what is the point of it? I don't even understand it, especially, I, I, I just, I, I don't get it. Is it to keep at bay lobbying interests? I can't imagine for a moment it is because lobbying interests seem to be all over this thing. Is it to keep at bay criticism? I can't imagine that it is because when the rubber hits the road and it needs to get a vote in the House or pass out of the Senate, that's going to come up, isn't it? The stuff is going to come up, I would think, as it has. So within a day of being announced, the guy responsible for it, More than anyone else, Mitch McConnell undercuts Jim Langford and says it doesn't look like he can get out of the Senate. Johnson doesn't even have to deal with it. But look at the political... What's the word I want? Look at the political misfeasance here. You have handed to the Democrats a pretty good talking point for them to run on for a little while, maybe all the way through November. Oh, we had a border security bill. It had some bipartisan support. It was the radical Republicans that didn't want it or the extreme Republicans that didn't want to touch it. Now, we can say all day long what we have to say about this bill and pick it apart piece by piece, as, as we did some of yesterday and some of in the monologue earlier And we'll talk about it with the Holmans in the next hour, who I think have a really good read on all this stuff, too. But again, I want to reiterate the basic point that needs to be reiterated, I think. Why do we need new legislation on any of this at all? This legislation that they're asking for didn't exist when Donald Trump was president. Because he used the office of the presidency and what was already written in the law in Title Eight of the United States Code. In other words, federal law. We don't need new law. Why is it that we now have months of illegal immigration that were the same number as years that Donald Trump had? Because we need a new law or because Joe Biden, on day one... Of his presidency changed about 30 different orders of Donald Trump's, reversed them and invited illegals and then put in charge of it all, perhaps the most incompetent person in the entire edifice of the federal government, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris will be the next president of the United States if Joe Biden is reelected. There is no way this man can serve out the rest of his term. I don't know about any kind of timetables for his health at all. I am just telling you that his cabinet will sit around a meeting with him and say this cannot go on. I should think. I would think. Remember how much talk there was about using a constitutional amendment to have the cabinet get rid of Donald Trump? Gosh, they just blew everything past the number 10 on the dials with Donald Trump, didn't they? Well, it will be triggered with Joe Biden maintaining the presidency of the United States, should he be reelected, I should think, which means Kamala Harris will be the next president of the United States if Joe Biden is reelected. Think about that. Think about that. It's like trading in. I don't know. I, don't, I can't do the analogy that quickly. <laughs> I, I, I can't do the analogy. It's like it's like trading in, I don't know, Jimmy Carter for George McGovern or something. It's like trading in Jimmy Carter for Joe Biden. That's what it's like trading in. Jimmy, Joe Biden to Kamala Harris is like Jimmy Carter to Joe Biden. Things are so much worse now. So much worse. And the border is so representative of it all. It's so representative of so much. It's representative of that which we're supposed to put up with. It's representative of everything that flows from the openness of the border, as I was talking about the last hour, whether it's crime, whether it's trafficking of drugs or human beings or children, whether it's the expenditures that it involves. So much that we are willing to put up, of is, up with is spoken about with this one crisis, this one issue. And there are people, seriously, there are people, like Adam Carolla said, who don't think it's an issue at all, who think we're crazy to even talk about it. I don't know how they exist. I mean, I sometimes think we live among an invasion of the body snatchers. I honestly do. Or brain snatchers. I honestly do. I mean, Ronald Reagan's great speech and worry and quote that everyone took and ran with, but I think took and ran with it for granted, was that we could wake up one day in this country not recognizing it. And I think there are a lot of people here looking around and saying, what happened here? This is not the country I remember 10 years ago, five years ago. Well, I'm not going to put it all on what we did with covid but it's as good a time as any to remind of what Adam Carolla said. COVID took out a lot of people, most of them still alive. And I think Matt Labash is right, too. There's a lot, a lot of mental health issues, not just in our kids, but in our adults as well. 602-508-0960. 602 960 We'll be right back. What year is this? What's that from?
2: This is from 1981.
0: <laughs> yeah, no.
2: I, I, I think it's great. We're no. talking about peace and freedom. No, no, but no, no, no. This sounds like a morning television no. show. No. Go, Ronald yeah. Reagan. Yeah, no. Give him Stop. a little cape and everything. A big R on his chest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> fail on that one.
2: A fail. Yeah.
0: Let me put in a word for our friends at Y-Refi. ...of the show are brought to you by them, and they're a great company. They have a wonderful investment, secure and collateralized portfolio, where you're in control. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. There are absolutely no fees. You have peace of mind. There's no attack on principle if you ever need your money back, and you get a monthly statement with no surprises. Best of all, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market. Or the Federal Reserve. Check them out at com. That's invest, the letter Y. Then refy.com or call 888-Y-REFI-22. Excuse me, 888 y 24 That's how you know this is live. 888 y 24 If it weren't live, we would have zipped out that malaprop. Malaprop.
2: Malaprop, that's today's word. If you want it to be. Is that an error?
0: Malaprop, if there was only a machine. We,
2: I'm asking you.
0: If we you're could, quicker than if the machine. Could,
2: uh, <laughs> Am I? Am in I? this instance, you would be. <laughs> uh,
0: the mistaken, uh, a mistaken phraseology, I think. A mistaken use of a word. Um, I don't know if you can do it with numbers. Can you malappropriate numbers? I don't know. Let's go to Rick in Phoenix. Hello, Rick.
1: Hi there, Seth. How are you? I'm doing uh, okay. I'm recovering uh, from my head exploding last night. I watched our local Fox News affiliate, uh, the 9 o'clock hour, and they had a report on the border. I say report. It was uh, more like an advertisement for passing the border because they had about four or five clips from Kristen's cinema uh telling why it was so good and why it should be passed and no clips of speaker johnson or anyone opposed to it the only thing they had at the end of the story was they said speaker johnson said that it was doa and that was the sum total of the news report
0: they didn't have any uh any uh, local Congress people that they wanted to have on board to talk about it, they couldn't find a Republican Congressman yeah. or woman. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Couldn't find Schweikert or Lesko or
1: uh, apparently Siskamani no one is opposed Dosa. to it. So okay, okay. yeah, uh, which I brings me back to. I appreciate you know the the points that you have been making and pointing out because wow, we just need to get that truth truth out there. And, Seth, it it occurs to me, you know, how did we get to this point? You mentioned the fact that the the COVID hoax really did a number on us.
0: Well, I don't think I said COVID hoax.
1: (laughs) No, that's my word. Okay, okay.
0: I mean, I think COVID existed.
1: Yes. I'm talking about all the stuff that went on with it, the Dr. Fauci, you know... uh, I'm with you now.
0: Okay, I just wanted to clarify, and I needed to clarify, because we're listened to by people that want to pounce.
1: Yes, yes, you're you're right, you're right. I'm sorry about that. No, you don't have
0: to be. I I took what you meant, but I wanted to make sure they took what you
1: meant. Yeah, I'll try to be more circumspect. You're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Circumspect, that's the word for the day.
0: We already have malaprop. Oh, that's
1: right. Uh, That's...
0: David's okay. vessel is not so large. <laughs> take okay. personal
2: offense to that remark.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, until you engage in thaumaturgy, that we can fill oh, it up.
1: No. You know. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is going to be a George Will day, huh?
0: I don't know.
1: So, anyway, it could
0: just be a Seth Leipsin day.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, anyway, Seth, what? What? My thinking was. Uh, to have what happened, and I agree with you, that COVID had a terrible, debilitating effect and del- deleterious effect. Uh, but in order for that to happen, we had, you know, what was going on that enabled us to get to that point so that that happened? And when you were reading the earlier the article, I think it was an article about lunacy. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Okay, it yeah. reminded me there used to be uh, a radio talk show host named Michael Savage, and and he was uh, frequently said something to the effect that uh, uh, liberalism or leftism is a mental disorder or disease, and I'm thinking, you know. What happened was that that disease went unchecked for so long that like a contagion, it spread. And as one of your callers, Doug, uh, has pointed out several times in discussions with you, uh, way too many of us as conservatives... just sort of allowed that to happen you know we didn't engage like we needed to in order to stop it from happening and so it happened and now we're at the point where wow you know it's it's do or die
0: yeah what do you think well i mean i have talked about i yeah i i haven't thought about the disease model of the ideology tremendously but what i have said is that um, the Democratic Party in this country and the liberal left in this country, now, whether they recognize it or not, on the ground, fully embrace a series of concepts from Marx, Karl Marx, that have suffused our culture and increasingly our politics. You have over 100 state legislators across the country that are proud to proclaim themselves socialists. You have something like five in the House and at least one in the Senate by proud declaration. This was unheard of when you and I were growing up. And what I would say is that there was indeed a lab leak in this country. The lab, uh, not Wuhan, uh, which had a leak of some kind or other that affected our lungs, but one here from Ivory Towers that affected our brains. And it is the Marxist doctrines that have suffused our colleges, universities, and now increasingly our high schools and elementary schools. And we're graduating 8 million of these people a year. Four in high school, four in college. How does that not have an effect at some point? Well, it sure as damn heck does now. And we're living with it. And I don't know if it's... um, I don't know if it's too, too far entrenched or not. This will be the election that determines it. This will be the election that determines whether um, everyone who says, oh, those are just crazy people that, you know, have followers on Twix or Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and they get repeated and repeated amongst their own friendships. We shouldn't take it that seriously. I don't know that that's true or not. Look what we did to ourselves during, as you mentioned, COVID. The normal ones were the ones who were shamed. The inmates did take over the asylum. Maybe there is a disease model to this. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, coming to you live from the Patriot 960 AM studio, brought to you by the veteran Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Would you say I'm easily distracted?
2: Maybe. Yeah?
0: yeah. You think I have a little...
2: Like if I walked in here with a plate of nachos or a nice sizzling fajita or something, I've got Mexican on the brain. You you do. Um, (laughs) I can see that. If I, you know, I think you'd be very easily distracted.
0: You could try a cheese crisp, but... The Dirty Drummer. <laughs>
2: jeez, Chris. But they the do have drummer, them. Yeah, they, they, they do. I had one with you last real, week. A real yeah. one. A real one. My favorite meal so far there that I've had is their chicken wings, though. And if you go, ladies and gentlemen, get them grilled. You have to get them grilled yeah, because yeah, they're yeah. real and they do them on the grill. Oh, yeah. They're amazing.
0: How, well, I ask because I just stumbled across. I was just checking out the New York Times, and they have a big article, How to Hunt the Sasquatch
2: distraction.
0: Yeah, right? It's a psyop. It's a distraction. (laughs) New York Times. I need another commercial break to read it. Um, The story, that's not the story I really wanted to share with you all, though. The one I wanted to really share with you, though that is there, and I will be reading it, is in the Wall Street Journal today by a Jonah Winter, who is a children's book author. Um, And um, Can I read the whole thing? I don't know. Um, Scholastic is one of the great big book publishers, and they canceled the contract with him um, over a book on slavery. Um, And they canceled it because he himself isn't black. Um, He writes, Scholastic's cancellation marked the beginning of a brave new children's book world. It's detailed in a report called Booklash. So-called progressive activists discovered they had power through social media, and they wielded, wielded it, assailing book after book with charges of offensiveness and demands for cancellation. Children's publishers now live in fear of these activists, terrified of showing up on their radar with a book or author that could be deemed problematic, meaning out of alignment with the activists' puritanical code. According to that code, an author's identity must match a book's subject. Further, certain books can harm children, the activist believes, and books they deem harmful must be removed. If that sounds eerily similar to the charge against right-wing activists, it's because it actually is. The only difference is that while right-wing activists merely want certain books removed from particular schools, left-wing activists want the books they target annihilated, not published in the first place. An initially... Much-praised book of mine in 2017 about the atom bomb was attacked with the inaccurate charge of having erased American Indians. (laughs) The social media mob weighed in, and the book went from getting rave reviews and being predicted as a Caldecott medalist to fading into obscurity. One month later, I wound up on a sort of blacklist on a blog called Reading While White. I wonder if MSNBC is going to do anything about this sort of thing. There's a piece in the New York Times on Sunday. There's a professor, of uh, philosophy named Appia. I think his first name's is Ron, Ronald Appia. And someone wrote in, it's one of these Q&A things, about whether it's okay to teach her, to give her children Dr. Seuss books, including one Called and to say I saw it and to hear I saw it on Mulberry Street. It was his first book, his book about Mulberry Street, because there's a depiction of a man from China in there that was evidently problematic as these things go. I looked at it. Appia said it, it's okay, you can. You can you can you can give your children Dr. Seuss books. they put the fear of God into us over Dr. Seuss. Doctor Seuss who wrote the Sneeches. Do you remember the Sneeches book, David? He wrote it in 1953 about warring factions based on whether you were born with a star on your belly or not. 1953 would have been the year of Brown versus Board of Education was being litigated in front of the Supreme Court. So he didn't do black and white, but he did stars on your bellies and not. And about the ridiculousness that you would judge people differently that way. And we're and we're targeting Dr. Seuss. That's how unserious and luxurious this country is. I've often joked that if you could get a ticket out of Darfur to come to America to understand how to do racial harmony and you came here and found out we were debating whether it was okay to read Dr. Seuss, you'd go home and say, went to the wrong country for the wrong lesson. Yeah, no kidding. Toby Keith, RIP. Man, I'm going to miss that guy. We'll be right back.
2: <laughs> wow.
0: Oh, he's taken on the border and the war on Christmas.
2: <laughs> yes, I played this on purpose.
0: Okay. Did we. D- All right. We'll play. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Easily distracted. Yeah, I'm easily distracted. <laughs> he I, still has sasquatches. Oh, I, I was reading brain.
0: the review of the sasquatch book in the New York Times. So you it know. says
2: how to find them, how to hunt them. I, was, I remember
0: it? you'll like this. I was I was at um, at a dude ranch for vacation some few years back, some several years back, and um, one of the things they had was a nature hike led by a uh, a zoologist. You know, because there was a lot of interesting. You know animal wildlife to see. And I said to him, do you ever talk about, you know, our version of Sasquatch, like the Mogion monster or anything like that? And this guy, this, he's a real, you know, this is a real, I don't know, is he a zoologist or whatever? And he just looked at me and he goes, yeah, we don't, we don't do that too much. <laughs> we don't do that too much. I should have offered I should have offered to give a separate tour, huh?
2: should have offered to help. I
0: should have offered to help. Yeah. The reason I'm so moved by this piece in the Wall Street Journal today, Cancel Culture Dominates Children's Literature, is I'm so um, – do you remember the word from yesterday for bewitched? Did you write it down? And Seld? I am
2: That's right. So, and I said it was archaic.
0: It's not. Google said that. We don't trust Google. We don't trust Google. Um. Also, where did I learn it, if it's so archaic? A druid. I know I'm old, but I'm not, you know.
2: <laughs> a druid or a dragon or I'm King Arthur's court. I'm older than you, but I'm
0: not, you know, I'm not ancient. I'm bewitched by the the import of children's literature because it's how it shapes a culture, how it shapes a society. It's a little bit what predates what um, Rick called earlier about, you know. Um, it's a big theme of mine how children learn, how they read, how they're conditioned to move into various stages of life and maturation, including intellectual and mental and psychological and sociological and anthropological, truly, development, how they move through the stages of life and mature. This is an important civilizational objective, and a culture that takes its children seriously takes seriously what its children read. We know this from the Bible. We know this from Plato and um we used to know it without even really having to say we know it from the bible or we know it from plato that's why if you ever get a chance to go into a big bookstore and you go to the children's section you'll see, you'll see often people my age and older looking for some to see if they still have some of the books we remember from our youth does the book does what does our book place what's our book place called the book gallery book gallery do they have a children's section I need to look. We need to look next time. Do they? Have I asked you? I can't say that I've actively
2: gone and tried to look for children's books there. Yeah. However, they have a nice paperback section in the back, which I feel like is more of what you might call adolescent.
0: I'm going to look because it's fun to recognize that some things are still standard. You know, some things have lasted the test of time. It's interesting to me, actually, when I was reading this op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, I was thinking to myself, you know— The book published, what are the, maybe, what is the need for new children's books? In a way, in a way, I was just kind of asking, you know, we had a wonderful, rich, and deep river of children's literature, many of which lasted forever, much of which lasted forever, and yet we're cranking out new ones, you know, by the day. They're not better, I don't think. Maybe some are. Maybe some are really good. I haven't seen much that competes with the kinds of stuff I remember growing up on. But in any event, my larger point is we used to take this thing kind of seriously. This is why the book wars in kindergarten and first and second grade and Moms for Liberty is such an important issue. You know, when the uh, when one of the co-founders of Moms for Liberty was on with Joy Reid and started actually saying to Joy Reid, why don't you say what's in this book? You won't talk about the words that are in this book. You won't talk about why kindergartners need to know the word. Anyway, you take the point. You can use your imagination. Anyway, this, this is an important thing because when you wed it to what I was saying earlier about A society that seems to have lost its way where the center cannot hold and things are continually falling apart and the falcon cannot find the falconer, whether you want to write it up as mental distress or something else. Just absurd craziness in our society. You know, it it happens over time. It happens over time. There's going to be a big debate Over holding parents responsible, I guess a court found one responsible for involuntary manslaughter today. There's going to be a big debate in society about holding parents more and more responsible for the dastardly actions of their children. And it's going to be interesting because, as I've been saying for years, when we look at something that goes horribly wrong with a child, take Uvalde as an example, but you can use any number of them. We focus on that day, don't we? We focus on that week of that child's life, don't we? What about the first 18 years? How come we don't ever think about that? How come we don't ever think about the 17 years before that one day? I don't want to say this is entirely parents' faults, but it's adults' faults. It's adults' faults whether they're in the schools, whether they're in the homes, whether they're in the environments, whether they're in the psychological and counseling professions. Children are not allowed to live alone for a reason. They have to be brought along. And telling them the right stories, telling them nurturing and healthy and important tales that put violence in context and in perspective and put other things in context and perspective matters. It's the message of the important fairy tales we grew up knowing, to teach us how to get along in society. And we end up graduating college or high school or going out into the world as adults, and we realize we're living amongst a population that didn't get the same lessons we thought we had to have, that we all lived by, or got them and ignored them, or got them and forgot them. But we're living amongst people alien to a code of civics, moral morality, sociology, and really just civility. We're living amongst fellow human beings who just don't have the same socialization socialization that we do or moral lessons that we thought we all needed. And it leads to the anarchy and the craziness I was talking about a little earlier. And here we have books that seem to be written by wholesome authors with the right messages, that are being canceled based on the race of the author? It's a sick society that thinks race is more important than your brain. It's a sick society that thinks your race dictates your thought. We used to be taught that, too. We thought it ended in 1945. It's alive and well here. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a powerful one, isn't it? Hope on the rocks, I think. Yeah. That's that's a video worth watching. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. How about a secure investment that actually helps people? You're in total control. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with Y-Refi. And there's no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. You get a monthly statement with no surprises, of course. And there are absolutely no fees. Best of all, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. Their investment in this secure and collateralized portfolio, you can learn more about them by going to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y. Then refy.com or call 888-YREFI24, 888 yrefi 24 Bruno Bettelheim, in his classic work The Uses of Enchantment on Children's Literature, writes that an understanding of the meaning of life is not suddenly acquired at the age of chronological maturity, or at any particular age. This achievement is the result of a long development. Wisdom is built up, small step by small step. Unfortunately, too many parents want their children's minds to function as their own do, as if a child's understanding of himself and the world did not have to develop as slowly as his body does. The child must therefore be helped to bring order into the turmoil of his feelings. He needs a moral education that subtly, by implication only, conveys to him the advantages of moral behavior through that which seems tangibly right and therefore has meaning for him. He was writing this in 1976. For a story, he continues, to truly hold the child's attention, it must entertain him and arouse his curiosity, but to enrich his life, it must stimulate his imagination, help him to develop his intellect and to clarify his emotions, be attuned to his anxieties and aspirations, give full recognition to his difficulties while at the same time suggesting solutions to the problems which perturb him. In short, it must at one and the same time relate to all aspects of his personality, and this without ever belittling but on the contrary, giving full credence to the seriousness of the child's predicaments while simultaneously promoting confidence in himself and in his future. Unlike many modern stories for children, fairy tales present evil as being no less omnipresent than virtue. It is this duality that poses the moral problem and requires the struggle to solve it. The characters are not good and bad, In the best of fairy tales, he goes on to point out they are good or bad because polarization dominates a child's mind. Nowhere in the recommendation, traditional recommendation of how to teach children does it say and make sure that the person writing it is of the right race